Good morning, guys. Happy uh, May. Uh, May. What is today, Jason? May 17th. 2019 uh, a very historic day because today the house of representatives passed the equality act for the first time in history uh, speaker nancy pelosi proudly announcing that the democratic controlled house of representatives has passed the equality act for the first time um, preventing discrimination against lgbtq people in employment housing public accommodations protecting both sexual orientation and gender identity. That is fantastic. Never happened before in history. It happened just this morning. Thank you, Speaker Pelosi. Thank you to the all the Democrats who voted aye. And unfortunately, it's going to probably not get out of the Senate, uh, which sadly, uh, Mitch McConnell, Kentucky, still controls the U.S. Senate. And Donald Trump has indicated that he will not sign it and would veto it. So, uh, you know, up forward up one step back two steps but we will continue to fight and this is why elections matter and this is why the 2020 elections matter because if we can keep the house and take back the senate and god willing control the white house we can finally make the equality act come true and become the law of the land after 30 years of struggle <clears throat> but we're not there yet all right, so let's talk about today. It is Friday, and uh, we've got three guests coming in, as always, and uh, some pretty spectacular people, in my opinion. Uh, the first is uh, Jeff Kors uh, from the city of Palm Springs, California. He'll be calling in. He is a council member out in Palm Springs, and uh, I first met him when he was an ACLU lawyer. He came out of Chicago and uh, moved to San Francisco. <clears throat> and was one of the co-founders, along with yours truly and others, creating Equality California to create marriage rights for LGBT people here in the Golden State of California. Uh, he was the first executive director of Equality California. We, uh, we have battle scars to show how the fight for marriage was so uh, brutal and tumultuous. This is in the year like 2000 and 2008, all the way up to Prop 8 in 2008. And um, then he and his husband uh, moved to Palm Springs. And uh, of course, you know, we don't really ever retire as LGBT activists, do we? Uh, he ran for city council. He's now a member of the city council out there. And his husband, James, ran for the school board out there and is on the school board. So they are a power couple out in the Coachella Valley. <clears throat> and I'm curious to hear about how the white party went and Coachella Music Festival and all the other great things they have going out there. So thank you to Jeff for taking some time out to call in this morning. Then uh, one of my own personal heroes and favorites, Pearl Jemison Smith. Pearl is an incredible woman. She um, was a nurse at UCI uh, at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. And uh, she did it in the middle of Orange County, California. Now, Orange County, California today is represented by five Democratic members in the House of Representatives and the recent blue wave that just occurred. But back in the 80s, it was crazy town. It was crazy Bill Dannemeyer, who thought that AIDS was spread by spores in the air, and B1 Bob Dornan, and Dana Rohrbacher. And I mean, it was like the Looney Tune lineup down in Orange County, California in the 80s. So the activists who had to confront the epidemic down behind the Orange Curtain, they really had their work cut out for them. And here comes Pearl Jamison Smith, a straight ally, a nurse, a woman, British, Sounded very much like Mary Poppins, at least the first time I heard her talk. I thought I was talking to Mary Poppins. And um, she's just so graceful and such a powerful voice down there at a time when it was really chaotic and crazy. Helped start organizations, including the AIDS Services Foundation of Orange County, the AIDS Walk of Orange County. And uh, very sadly, lost her son, Jamie, in the epidemic to HIV. <clears throat> and uh, I've known Pearl for a very long time and uh, just think she is one of these power women, um, and uh, she still is down behind the orange curtain. So uh, I always like reminiscing with Pearl about the bad old, or the good old bad old days, or whatever we're going to call them. And then finally, capping off the show from New York City, uh, Florian Klein happens to be in Los Angeles today, so I snagged him to come on the show. Florian uh, was a gay porn star, ooh, uh, who then went on to create uh, a musical called Shooting Star, where it premiered in New York, and now he's opening his show in Los Angeles here in a couple of weeks. They're in final rehearsals, and he has gone from being uh, adult entertainment 
industry, adult industry star, to a musical producer, and that's a road less traveled, huh? But uh, he's doing a great job, and I'm going to talk to him about his life's journey, his career, and of course the opening of Shooting Star here in Los Angeles. So, we've got a great lineup of movers and shakers, uh, elected official a power nurse, porn star turned theatrical producer, and uh, that's how we roll here on the sidebar. We talk to everybody and anybody who's out there making a difference in the world. So, um, very exciting lineup. I'm looking forward to each and every one of these guests. Uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch in Washington, D.C., as I call it, the ultimate swamp that has not been dra- uh, drained Donald Trump, but instead has just been turned into a sludge sewer. Um, it continues to be just uh, uh, insanity after insanity. We got the uh, U.S. Attorney General, William Barr, trying to cover up for the corrupt Trump family. We've got ourselves on the brink of war in Iran and Venezuela. Uh, meanwhile, the emperor continues to fiddle and tweet. Um, and I don't even think he knows that there are war plans in Iran. But John Bolton, uh, National Security Advisor, he's got war plans in Iran. And God forbid should we end up in another Vietnam because of the recklessness of a president who can't seem to ha- pay attention for anything longer than 12 seconds and a foul, corrupt administration around him. God help us all. But we're going to have fun. We're not going to think about Washington, D.C. today except to say the Equality Act passed. Hooray! And we're going to move on with our guests. So thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran. And we'll be back after this message here on Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Going to the Chapel of Love, Bette Midler, and of course our next guest, I think primarily responsible for so many gay and lesbian couples getting to go to the chapel and get married, uh, is Council Member Jeff Corris from Palm Springs, California. Hey, welcome, Jeff. Hey, John. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. I was telling our, oh. our listeners before you came on about our history together, uh, you being an ACLU Uh-oh. lawyer and living in San Francisco and Equality California and all that stuff. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm so glad you're here. So, Jeff, you're you're one of my heroes. You know, I admire you, adore you. Back at you, but thank you. <laughs> and everything you've done. And and I know that you, at one point, were an ACLU attorney, and, and then you moved to San Francisco in the Bay Area, and you were there for the very beginnings of Equality California, the starting of Equality California. And curious, what do you recall about those early discussions about, could we really get marriage in the Golden State? Uh, Interesting. I mean, you know, I got involved with what was then CAPE after it probably existed for about two years. And I think you and I joined the board at the exact same meeting. Uh, I think we were board members eight and nine. It was a small little organization with, you know, one staff person and one part-time admin person. Uh, And we went into that great strategic planning meeting that first summer when I became the uh, interim executive director in 2002 and laid out a plan to win full equality, including marriage and full rights of the transgender community in a decade. And a lot of board members thought that was way too aggressive. And, you know, but we all unanimously came together and adopted a pretty aggressive plan to get it done. Yeah. And I think, Um, I think I was one of those board members like, is this really possible? Are we really going to be able to get married in my lifetime? To me, it didn't seem possible. I mean, we dreamed about it, but uh, thank God we decided to to push forward. And and I think Gavin Newsom, then being mayor of San Francisco, he, he helped push the envelope, didn't he? He really did. I think what he did by allowing couples to get married and that lasting for a whole month somehow, uh, really put a face on it for not just Californians, but people around the world who just saw a bunch of loving, happy couples, many with children, willing to wait in line for hours, sometimes days, 
for the simple right that most people take for granted to marry the person you love. And his doing that really did help propel. I mean, there were definitely some pushback in the polls right away, as there always is when you try to push ahead, you'll always get resistance. But what he did really helped us propel forward because we had the stories, not just our telling them, but they were on national news. And as we know, with anything that people don't know about, and most people never thought about same-sex couples getting married, until they have a chance to visualize it and think about it and have the time to process it, you can't get them to change their minds. And what Gavin did really gave them a lot of information. And we saw it change some legislators who were totally opposed even to full domestic partnership who moved and talked about seeing those couples in San Francisco and realizing, you know, it's the same love. It should be exactly the same. Well, he, so that was a very powerful moment. And, and at this time that this is happening, I remind people, Barack Obama was opposed to marriage equality. Senator Barbara Boxer was opposed to marriage equality. Like a lot of our real allies and friends, they hadn't got there yet. They weren't quite ready to make that leap. No. In fact, until um, the California Supreme Court ruled in the case, you know, Quality California was the organizational plaintiff that NCLR, Lambda and the ACLU, did the legal work on, um, you know, Senator Feinstein, Senator Boxer, it was really that decision and reading that decision that they finally came along. But, you know, during the Prop 8 campaign, although Barack Obama said, you know, he doesn't support Prop 8, he said, you know, in Rick Warren's right-wing church that he believes marriage is between a man and a woman because God's in the mix. Mm. And, you know, that was used, of course, in mailers and robocalls. Uh, and, you know, but... It took him a little longer, but he got there, too. He got there, too. I remember election night, 2008. We were so happy that we had elected the first African-American president, and simultaneously, Prop 8 passed the exact yeah. same night. Oh, we, I was elated and devastated at the same yeah, time. No, it was a tough night. And, you know, looking back, and we can see um, from, you know, what, 2000, eight years earlier, Prop 22, we lost by 24 points. Yeah, that and was that was the night and that was a night attempt to night ban marriage equality, and right. that was in the year two thousand. So eight years right. later, we came within a hair. Four, of, yeah. yeah, not not enough, and you know that was incredibly sad and frustrating and hard. But that progress, most of the states were losing in double digits still, and you know in Maine it looked really good, and they lost by a little more than we did, and that's four, just over four percent. But in 2012, as more people got familiar with it, you know, we kept on chipping away state by state by state until we got those victories and enough that it was time to bring it to the courts, yeah. which was always, you know, the, the map Evan Wilson from Freedom to Marry laid out. And, you know, we got two favorable rulings and we're very lucky we got them when we did because with this court, we might see a very different result. Yeah, that's so true. We got in just in the nick of time, Justice Kennedy being the right judge at justice yep. at the right time. Now, you and James moved to Palm Springs how long ago? Well, so I first moved to Palm Springs for what I thought was a little three to six month sabbatical from my uh, civil rights law firm um, in 2000. And that sort of lasted uh, two and a half years until I got the Equality California job. And then James and I had a place here. Uh, throughout that time, but moved full-time the sort of late 10, early 11, just as I was finishing at Equality California. And now, you, I was telling the listeners, you're a power couple, because you're elected, you're both elected officials out there in the Palm Springs area. Well, one of us is. J James uh, finished his term on the school board and didn't run for re-election. Ah, I wasn't aware of that. Oh, God. Yeah, he, he joined the... Uh, Pacific, uh, Planned Parenthood Board of the Pacific Southwest, where he is on the executive committee and really wanted to focus a lot of energy on that, given the threat on women's reproductive health care right now. Yeah. And he felt he couldn't do both at the full level he wanted to engage. Yeah, he, but he loved being on the school board. It was, it was good. But we're just both really involved in a lot of campaigns and nonprofits, and it's a great community here. So if you had to compare and contrast San Francisco to Palm Springs, what would you say? I hate to put you on the spot because we're broadcasting in both cities right now. <laughs> well, you know, the two cities I've spent almost almost my entire adult life in. Um, well, one, it's 74 and sunny in Palm Springs. Um, 
I don't imagine that's the case in San Francisco. Nope. Uh, not even in um, L.A. <laughs> not even in L.A. It's I know over, this, it's is, overcast this is this is really nice and cool for us today. We're having perfect weather. Uh, you know, San Francisco is just a huge metro. You know, what is it? The fourth largest media market in you know the country. We're probably the fourth smallest, right? So, um, you know, it's more it's more of a tight knit community because people do get to know each other. You know, we're 45,000 full-time residents, probably with part-time, you know, over 100. And on a lot of weekends, you know, you can double that to about 200,000 people who are here. Uh, But there's something really special about living in a resort community, right, where people want to come and have their vacations and the amenities that go with that. Um, And one that gives back so much. I mean, people are so involved. And I think a lot of people, although it's starting changing, it's getting, you know, a much younger demographic because, with the internet and so many jobs, people can work from anywhere and you can buy a home here for, as you imagine, a fraction of what you're paying in West Hollywood or San Francisco and, you know, many other cities. But a lot of people move here after, you know, they stop whatever their first career was and think they're going to retire unwind. And then in six months, they're like, okay, now what? So people have created these great nonprofits and businesses. And so you get a really wonderful mix of people. And, you know, we're probably about 40% 40% of our voters are LGBT, and yet we have the first all-LGBT council, you know, in the country, and the first political elected transgender official in the country, in Lisa Middleton. That, And I think it really shows, you know, John, what we always work for, right? If people work together, play together, do nonprofits together, get to know each other, all those fears and misconceptions go away. Sexual orientation, gender identity were just non-issues in any of these campaigns. They just didn't come up. And that's pretty cool. Jeff, I got to stop you for a second. We got to go to a quick commercial break. We'll be back after this message more about that all LGBT city council here on Channel Q. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast san francisco the village people jeff we look for a song about palm springs through the archives here we can find nothing unless you know of a great (laughs) song about palm springs we had to go with san francisco Oh, well, that was a fun one. That was a good choice. Brought <laughs> back memories for sure. Yeah, we're talking to uh, City Council Member Jeff Kors from the city of Palm Springs, California. Jeff, you were just commenting you have the first all LGBT uh, City Council, all five of you part of the community. And of course, you all vote together all the time, right? You're funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, of course not, right? Uh, as you would imagine, we all have very different views and we have you know, sometimes very strong policy disagreements, but ultimately you do it respectfully. It doesn't impact your relationships. As you know, you have to, you know, fight for what you believe in. And we have lots of three to two votes on controversial issues, but it's important to, you know, stand for what you believe in. And I think, you know, everything's going really well in the city and lots to do. And, you know, when I decided to run for another term, I'm up this November, it's really because I think there's just more to do and it's, just a wonderful place to live 
And I want to do everything I can to help it continue to move forward. Well, you know, I'm hearing from a lot of people who are out there that you're doing a fantastic job. You and Lisa Thank both. You. You're doing such a great job. I mean, it's not Sonny Bono's Palm Springs anymore. That That's for sure. No. Uh, I mean, the first African-American mayor of Palm Springs, Ron Oden, was on the Equality California board. He was. With us, and, he was. He was. Uh, a very big part of that. But uh, now look at where we have two gay men, uh, one transgender woman, one bisexual woman. Who's the fifth? Three gay men. Three gay men. Oh, my God. Three gay men in one place is disastrous. I've got three gay men on my council. (laughs) But where we need to do better is in 80 years, we've had one African-American and one Latino on our city council. And that's in a city with 36% Latino uh, residents. So we're moving to district elections this November, uh, something Lisa and I spearheaded. Um, And it's really important. We need to really do the kind of outreach that we did. We took nine months to do it instead of the usual way it's done. We had 36 community forums in every neighborhood, and we already have more candidates of color running than we've ever had in the 20 years I've lived here. And we're only in May, and people have till August to file. So we are definitely doing a lot of work to, you know, it's great to be all LGBT, but that, of course, is not diversity. Yeah. So uh, we really need to make a difference. You know, Christy Holstead, she's our bisexual uh, member, you know, she's a millennial, the first millennial on the city council. And so it's really important that people see themselves reflected in their leaders and that we get the different perspective of someone who's starting out their career and is, you know, planning to raise a family here and, you know, concerned about maybe different issues that, you know, people who are retired are concerned about. So we're really working to bring that kind of diversity uh, into our Boards and commissions, we had almost triple the number of people apply this year because we did that kind of outreach to encourage people to apply. We want our boards and commissions to reflect our city as well. Let me, let me put you on the hot spot because I, 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 sure. I, I actually haven't talked to you about this. So let's just do it live on air in front of 20,000 people, 20,000 listeners. All right. We've got – you and I are, are both friends with Kamala Harris, the U.S. Senator from California, ever since she was a, a DA in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and you probably even known her before that. She's yeah. running for president. Mayor Pete Buttigieg uh, is an openly gay candidate uh, who declared, and he's running for president. What do we do when we're faced with such a quality decision – quality problem where we have friends who are both you know gay and non-lgbt running in the same race no it's it's a really good question um you know i endorsed kamala um as soon as she announced i've worked with her you know she was so instrumental um in our securing marriage you know her taking a stand when she was running for attorney general that she wouldn't appeal a Prop 8 ruling, and she wouldn't defend Prop 8 in court. In that race against Steve Cooley, which was razor thin, where Equality California really stepped up for her, and saying that would have made the difference, and it very well would have, if you know, we won on Prop 8 on standing. And if Cooley had won, he said he would have appealed the decision, and there would have been standing, and the court might not have been ready yet for the decision, which was a 5-4 to four ruling. So, um, you know, I think she has the leadership and the smarts. I'm really impressed with Mayor Pete, you know, and I hope he goes far in this. And if he ended up being the nominee, he would be amazing. There are a lot of really good candidates. The most important thing, in my view, is that the candidates get to discuss the issues that they care about and are passionate without denigrating each other. Because when that happens, and we've seen a little of it in this race already, you know, that's how we ended up with Trump in the White House in part. And so we really need to keep focused on the prize, which is getting our country back from tyranny and a very homophobic and transphobic president who can say it's great to see, you know, Mayor Pete and his husband on the campaign trail while he is systematically taking away our rights and fighting that we're not included under Title Seven and kicking transgender people out of the military and on and on and on. So true. So, I, you know, I could, anyone running on the Democratic Party, whoever gets that nomination based on who's running so far, ultimately, I'm going to be all in. And everyone needs to commit to that. We don't need to beat other candidates up to make yourself look good. And I think we both know that having run for office, you know, I didn't talk about the other candidates when I ran, and I'm not going to do it this time. I'm going to talk about my vision, what I've done, and what I want to do. And 
if everyone just stuck to that in the Democratic Party, we'd have a much better chance of taking Trump down at the next election. I, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, we've only got a couple minutes left, so let me sure. just ask you. I, you know, our pal Nancy Pelosi got the Equality Act off the floor of the House of Representatives this morning. And we know we're going to run smack into the U.S. Senate and a Donald Trump veto pen. But if you were advising, because I think you and Diane Abbott are two of the smartest strategists that we have in the LGBT community nationwide. Okay. If you were advising people uh, that were working on the Equality Act, what would you say to focus on for the next few years? I think the main thing to focus on is really pushing for a vote on the Senate, on the Senate floor, which Mitch McConnell will very unlikely be to do. But to really push that pressure on, 90% of Americans support this law. It's basic rights that everyone else has in this country. And so putting the pressure on and making every Republican and Democrat say how they would vote in the Senate, even if it doesn't come up for a vote, and then focusing on those races. You know, I think it's what HRC and other groups are going to do. You've got to focus on the few flip races you can do and replace someone who isn't going to vote against our rights with someone who's going to vote for them. I mean, that's a priority. And any Republican running, even if they say they'll vote for the Equality Act, who says they're going to vote for Mitch McConnell to remain the president of the Senate, doesn't do us any good. Mm-hmm. As long as McConnell's there blocking bills, you know, you can say what you want, but you can't have someone who won't allow a vote on a civil rights bill to be in that position. If that's what a candidate's going to do, to me, that disqualifies them for an endorsement. You think Donald Trump is uh, anti-LGBT? I mean, I know his policies are, but given that he was uh, brought up in New less. York City, I think that's, a, I think that's, a, I just think he doesn't care. He could care less. You know, when he was first asked about, you know, transgender people being able to use the bathroom consistent with gender, he said, of course. And, you know, within a week, he changed his mind and is now, you know, trying to undo all the rules around that. I mean, he's pretty much let Mike Pence and the extreme religious right run the show on these issues. And... It's all about appealing to his extreme conservative base. Yeah. And he doesn't care who he hurts in the process, and that's the problem. I think you're right. My friend, it's not based we, on any moral view. We have come to the end of our segment, uh, and we're going to have that to call fast, it. John. That went very fast. But will you come back? I'd love to have you come back and always keep us up to date on what's happening in fabulous Palm Springs. Maybe we can talk about some of the fun stuff next time. Okay, let's do that. We will do okay. that. Maybe I'll have you and Lisa on together, because I adore Lisa Middleton also. That, that would be great. That would be and awesome. come visit. And I, that's to everyone. Uh, All 20,000 of you, come visit. Come visit Palm Springs, <laughs> California. All right. Thank you again for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That's Lady Fergie. Because our next uh, guest, she's a Brit too. Pearl Jamison Smith from Orange County, California. Welcome to the show, Pearl. Thank you, John. It's a Pleasure to be on with you. Haven't seen you for a while. I know, my love. I was telling our guest before you came on that the first time I heard your voice, I thought, well, she's like Mary Poppins. We're going to win this war. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I haven't got my umbrella this morning. (laughs) Pearl, back in the 80s in Orange County, it was was rough. I mean, talk about, you know, we were in the middle of uh, an AIDS epidemic, and we had a, a system in Orange County, California, that was not always supportive. We had some very crazy members of Congress, Bill Dannemeyer, B1 Bob Dornan, Dana Rohrbacher. Orange County was a tough, tough spot. Yes, yes, it was. And um, it was not just the elected officials, but we had some very nasty uh, right-wing religious people like Lou Sheldon that were very hateful. Very, he, he once called me the principality of Satan. <laughs> John Duran, the principality. That means I'm a whole city of Satan. I'm like a major, wow. major leaguer, Pearl. 
<laughs> yes, his supporters used to come out to AIDS walk with banners that said, go to hell, sodomites, and, and all kinds of nasty things. I remember that. I remember yeah. in particular there was one that had a sign that said, the following people are going to hell, homosexuals, lesbians, liberals, Democrats, and Jews. And I thought, oh my God. And, and the guy looked at me and goes, oh, are you one of those homosexuals? I said, babe, I made your list three times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of, the, one of the confrontations I had with them was when we were doing a demonstration outside the Board of Supervisors after they'd turned down our request for uh, equality and uh, non-discrimination. And we were laying there and we had circled around people and it was a die-in and, and I was getting very emotional. So I, I went to leave and this man came up to me and said, are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? And I said, I beg your pardon. He said, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? I said, I'm going to my car, and you better get out of my way. <laughs> I love that about you, Pearl. <laughs> now, you were a, a nurse, I think, at UCI. Is that how you yes, kind of got started? Yes, I was a nurse epidemiologist there. Wow. Wow. And, and when you first heard about HIV, you recall that time, what was going on at UCI? Yes, um, we had some cases that were very strange, um, some pneumocystis pneumonia that you usually only saw in very immunocompromised patients. And then the MMWR came out with the fact that, yes, they were seeing these cases in Los Angeles and New York, and uh, that's when it all began, the fear. And I would have difficulty getting plumbers to go into the rooms of patients that were, that were designated as AIDS patients. And the medical staff was very rude and full of fear. I, it was a very, very difficult time, so it's not just the elected officials, and it was normal what we think of as regular people that were just, I think they were just so scared, John, that they didn't know how to handle it because we didn't really have all the details. We didn't really know how it was spread in the beginning. That's very true. And there was a great deal of fear. I think even within the gay community, there was a great deal of fear and people, anybody that, you know, seemed to have that look, that look of being emaciated was to be avoided. We lost so many wonderful people. It's, it's really hard for me to talk about this, John. You know, my son died 11 years ago. He lived with HIV for a long time. But, you know, so many wonderful people like Don Hagen and others that I just too many to mention that, that just the brightest and best that we lost. You know, I tell people that those of us that walk this path, we have some form of post-traumatic syndrome disorder, PTSD, because yes. to lose so many wonderful, beautiful yes. people in such a short period of time, it, it was a war zone for all of us. It was. It really was. Yes. And having lived through World War II in England, it, it really felt like, you know, we had to, you know, chin up, roll your sleeves up. And like uh, Winston Churchill said, never, never, never give up. And that's what we had to do. And so we did it. And I did things I, I thought I would never have the courage to do, like confronting uh, uh, Dornan and Dana Meyer and, and the like of them. You were great. You were so good. You were so good. I, uh, well, I was like the only straight woman. <laughs> you were the only. And I had all these the... wonderful gay men. It was really, it was kind of fun in some ways. I, I was surrounded by so much love. Yeah. This is yeah. this is a tough. You know, I tell people uh, whenever I have to walk down this path, it's I, I always get just a little choked up because it's yep. just under the surface, and I'm sure the same yep. is true for you. Well, you know, I had um, four units of blood in 1980, so when the test became available in 1985, I took the test because I'd had a reaction to one of the units of blood, and I had to wait for days to get the results, and. I swore that if I was negative, I was going to do anything and everything I could to help fight this disease. And when I came back negative, I was just so grateful. But not long after that was when I found out that my son was positive, and I would have given anything to have traded places with him. Mm. You know, I, there, it's funny that you're bringing up this example, because this was an exact episode of The Golden Girls, where Rose Nyland, played by Betty White, had to wait a few days for the results of yep. her HIV test, and she was falling apart and that's that is what it felt like you went on to be on the board of the i think the aids services foundation of orange county the aids walk i'm of one orange of the county. founding board members yes i started help 
start with Ken and Al and several other people. And I also, before even then, I was uh, I started a group called Action, the AIDS Coalition to Identify Orange County Needs. We used to meet at the Red Cross and we'd have people like ambulance drivers and dentists in there just trying to find out as much information and share it with each other. That was sort of like the beginning. Before we ever got any federal money or anything, we just we would just get together and talk about what, what the latest information was. Wow. I re- and I remember those days. And like you say, so many, Don Hagen, Drew Barris, Mark Kapal, yes. yes. so many of our friends who we lost and left behind. Well, Pearl, we're going to go to a commercial break, but when we come back, maybe we can talk about something as equally uplifting, hopefully, that even though we all went through this terrible, tragic period of time, that now looking back on it, it was necessary to get us to where we are today. We're talking to Pearl Jamison-Smith from Orange County, California. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sir Elton John singing to Lady Die, a uh, candle in the one redone for her uh, because of her years of AIDS activism. And we're talking to another uh, famous and notorious British citizen and U.S. citizen, Pearl Jameson Smith from Orange County, California. I like California. notorious, yes, very much. <laughs> and so, I just had my 81st birthday, so, uh, you know, it gets better with age. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that is like a fine wine, Pearl, like a fine wine. You know, I have to ask you now, when you uh, first first came across the early days of the epidemic. Had you had much of a relationship with the gay community or the LGBT community at that point? Not not very much. No, my son, uh, I outed my son at 16 and 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 we uh, we went together to the to the center, which is I'm now on the board of the uh, LGBTQ center in Orange County. And I'm very proud to say that. But I didn't have a lot of contact with them. But over the years, I have uh, been very involved with them, yes. And, that, and that's uh, one of the amazing things, I think, because I, I know when I first uh, got involved, it was in the mid-'80s, and I didn't know Pat Callahan. And I walked into the No on Prop 64 headquarters, <laughs> and I said, Hello, my name is John Duran. I'm a law student. I'm here to help. Put me to work. <laughs> and she's like, well. who the heck are you? <laughs> But uh, I had never worked uh, with uh, lesbian women. I did not have many uh, straight allies, although I'd been around straight people my whole life. My entire world was centered around gay disco and gay bathhouse. And suddenly I was coming in contact with people uh, working on a common cause that would create lifetime friendships like the one with you. Yes, well, with PFLAG and with the lesbian community, everybody was working together. And I think that was something that that we can all be proud of. I know it was a very sad time and it's emotional and it's hard to talk about it. But but the youth of today need to not forget what we've been through in order to get where we are today. And I know this is a tough time, but we need to be extra careful. Um, I just recently started a, a coalition uh, to address this, the increase in the sexually transmitted infections here in Orange County, and I'm really concerned about what's happening. We had 10 babies born with congenital syphilis. Mm. I mean, this is outrageous in this day and age. Yeah, it is outrageous in this day and age. You're so right. And I love that you're still active at 81. <laughs> you're still doing stuff at 81. That is amazing. Right. That is amazing. Uh, you know, I, I share it. My mom passed away a couple of years ago. I don't know if you ever met her, but I share that she was very involved with PFLAG, Parents and Friends of Lesbians and gays in in East L.A. And, uh, you know, some of these Latina mothers would come up and say, I mean, how did you feel? Weren't you upset when when John told you that he was gay? And she would look him square in the eye and she'd say, not really. I was more upset when my son 
Don Tony told me he was Republican. <laughs> that. that was my mom. That was my mom. Bless her heart. Bless, know, her, bless heart. her heart. But she, uh, you know, she uh, she was there. I mean, I, I got very sick in the uh, mid '90s and thought that I was going to, like a lemming, uh, go off the cliff too, and it didn't happen for whatever reason. I ended up sticking around for more work to be done. Thank God. Yes. I mean, you bring up a very good point. We are in the middle of another dark period in history yeah. in terms of politics and the planet and healthcare and everything else. And I know we've got millennials all over the country listening in right now. And what would you say, Pearl, given that you have walked the journey through a very dark and ugly period of time and come out uh, stronger, uh, what, what would you say to young people who are thinking of getting active today? Well, one of the things I'd say that what we used to say, no glove, no love. <laughs> and that's for condom use, kids. If you didn't know what that <laughs> reference was, that's yeah. for condom use. <laughs> you hear that, Jason? Jason is my little straight producer here, Jason, in my studio. Do you hear that, Jason? No glove, no love, babe. Oh, I, I got that. the C word, right? Everybody, you need to wear a condom. <laughs> It's so true because STIs are up. Syphilis and gonorrhea and chlamydia yeah. are back. They're back yeah. with a vengeance. They're very, very true. Uh, so we need to educate everybody about that. Yeah, very, very much so. Now, I know your path. When I first met you, I think you were a registered Republican, weren't you, Orange County? Yes, I, I was. I outed you, I Pearl. A, I just outed you. I was you. undercover, undercover. <laughs> I would go in and say, you know, to the various Republican officials, oh, I'm a registered Republican. And then I would go back and let the San Francisco Chronicle know what they were planning. <laughs> <laughs> you were a secret agent for the left. I was. I, love I was it. a 007. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You were the James Bond of the AIDS movement. I love that. And they, and they never recognized because I was, you know, uh, a regular Orange County mom, you know, in my little suit and everything. They never thought that I would be <laughs> undercover. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, I, I, I have to tell, share with you, I, I meet every Friday with a writing partner because I finally decided to start writing down some of these events that happened in the 80s, like you say, that are so painful to think about. I just want want to hide them and not think about them. Yes. But uh, I have a writing partner and he's a young millennial and he's helping me because I will start talking and he writes and we create and then when I'm done or I need a break, we take a break. But he's uh, he's been very helpful in helping me walk through all that, all those memories. I'm so glad that we're getting it. We need to put it in writing so that we d lest we forget, just like we say in England, you know, where after the First World War, they, they said, you know, lest we forget all these people that died. We, we need to remember what happened and the courage. I mean, you put down that I was a heroine. I wasn't a heroine. I just did what I had to do. You know, I it just felt like it, it was it was what my life was des destined to be. So, uh, you know, but I'm glad you're writing about it. Yeah, I, you know, and, and I, I, you're so humble to say that, but Pearl, I got to say, any mom who steps up to defend her son, and your son Jamie was wonderful, and fights in the, in the battlefield with LGBT people for equality and against a deadly epidemic and starts organizations and creates board of directors and goes up against right-wing politicians and is an agent saboteur on top of it, that <laughs> is a heroine to me. <laughs> you're very kind. You're very kind. <laughs> I'm just very accurate. I, I know your full history back there. Uh, you know, what's left for Pearl now at 81? What, what, what is left for Pearl in this lifetime? Well, this uh, coalition that I've started, I'm, I'm so happy I have the universities involved. I have the health care agency, Planned Parenthood, uh, the, all the HIV groups. We get together, and we, just like Long Beach, they have a plan how we can help cut down on the number of uh, sexually transmitted infections that we're seeing. And, and um, I, I, that's what my next, this is my life now. And uh, I'm, I'm not under any umbrella. I'm doing it myself. I wanted to make sure that the organization didn't have any strings so that they couldn't say, oh, look, it's the gay community that's causing all this problem, because that's the first thing they would do if I, if, if I was under the umbrella of, of the center. But um, I, I just am so thrilled to think that I have all these people that I've known over the years are coming back and helping to fight this new epidemic or this reoccurring epidemic. 
I think that's wonderful. And pearls of wisdom from Pearl Jameson Smith, y'all. No glove, no love. (laughs) (laughs) Pearl, we're going to have to stop here, but I hope you'll come back again and share with it. I just love hearing your stories and reminiscing. I love hearing it. I hope you'll come back again on the show. I'd love to, John. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, love. We'll be back after this message here on Channel Q. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hello, Rod Stewart, for our next guest, Florian Klein, New York City boy, originally from, not Berlin, Germany, though, right? Yes. Yes, and now uh, in Los Angeles for the opening of Shooting Star. Welcome, Florian. Uh, Thanks for having me. So, Shooting Star is a play that was created based on the gay porn industry, yes? Uh, Yes, and it's actually a musical play. And, and I saw a bit of it. You had a reading, and I actually went to the stage reading to see a bit of it. Wait, a bit? I thought you saw the whole thing. I did. did, you I did. No, no, I stayed, no, I stayed for the whole thing. Okay. I saw all of it. And it, it's something that you created by yourself or with other writers, or how was Shooting Star created? Um, well, it's based on my own experiences in the adult film world. So I created all the characters, the circumstances. I wrote the book, uh, and book is in musical theater terms, the script. Um, and I can't write any music, and I'm a bad lyricist, a bad bad lyric writer so I found an amazing composer when I did my first reading in Berlin in early 2015 Thomas Zaufke who is from Berlin Germany Um, and then I found Eric Ransom uh, a New York based lyricist who wrote all the beautiful lyrics for Shooting Star that's awesome and is it follow your life story or just the various things you observed in the porn industry Um, it's based on my own life story young actor comes to Hollywood wants to become a star at at all and uh, he finds himself in the porn industry and becomes a star in a different universe. Um, the biggest difference, two differences are um, that I wanted to make it a coming-of-age story. So my protagonist is 20 years younger than I am. Uh, so he's, he's in his early 20s. I think now he's more like 25 years <laughs> uh, younger than I am. Um, and he finds finds love in in the adult film film world. I, f- I found a lot of love from, from my family of friends that I found there, but I did not find I didn't fall in love in the porn industry let's mm. say that way so you came to Los Angeles you came to Los Angeles yeah. originally what year was that you came to Los Angeles um, I, I, I came to New York first to study acting there I was working in the entertainment industry since the mid 90s in Germany I was a member of a very unsuccessful boy band um, <laughs> in, in, in Germany was, I think we sold 700 CDs back in the days in, in, within Europe um, and I came to New York to further my acting career in 2002 finished a program at HB Studio in the village in, in New York and in 2006, came to Hollywood, wanted to be uh, the German Brad Pitt. And, uh, well, you have the looks. You could pull you. it off. You Thank you. Maybe off. I don't have the talent because <laughs> it didn't really work out that well. So I was doing a lot of catering. I always say the universe got me wrong because I was catering a lot for the stars and not working with the stars. Right. Um, and then at some point in 2010, um, I met a couple that was dancing at Mickey's and they said, hey, you, you, you could make some money as a go-go dancer. So I started going go-go dancing at, at Mickey's oh. Stefano. Oh, wow. Um, and then uh, got approached to do porn. And I was like, no, I'm an actor. I can't do that. And at some point I was like, oh, why not? It's, uh, I, 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 I love having sex. Uh, I, uh, yeah. And there you were? Why not? Yeah. And what was the character? What's your, your porn name, your screen name? Oh, my porn name now? Can I say that on live air? I think you can. Yeah. <laughs> Hans Berlin. Hans Berlin. Yes. <laughs> Even though I'm not from Berlin, but Hans Munich wouldn't sound no, that great. No, Hans so. Munich doesn't have no. the same ring like Hans Berlin. And Hans, by the way, because people always ask me, how did you come up with that name? At some point I said it was my middle name, but that's completely made up. Um, <laughs> when I started go-go dancing and uh, and people ask me, so, so hey, you're hot, what's your, what's your name? And I said, uh, Florian. 
Gloria? It's like, no, Florian, what? So I thought, what's what's the most typical German name? Hans. Hans. I'm from Germany. I have a wife and two children. And like I got a sweaty. Like and Gretel. Yes. Yeah. So they knew right away. Very, very Also cool. what was going on. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I don't have to give you the 13 dirty words we need to avoid. I'm not going to give to All right. So you entered the porn industry and then were in it for, or... Years. Still in it. Still in it. Oh, still yes. in it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a break at the moment. Um, what was so fascinating for me was I thought, oh, we have to have sex with everyone on the set. We're all on drugs and it's just fun and games. Um, and I had, a, a, I think, an, a, a two-hour conversation with Jason Marks, who um, worked at this time for Titan. And uh, he told me, no, it's it's like on a real set. And he gave me uh, the whole spiel and, and, and how it works. And then when I shot my first scene uh, for Titan, I was... Uh, I was very surprised that it's really like one of those Hollywood sets that I had experienced before. You go there, you sign your paperwork, you have to work, and and the better and the quicker you work, the the the, the quicker you're done, and the chances are very high that, that they're going to call you again. Hmm. So only the smart ones survive, as it's also said in the show. Um, and I was I was so. Um, um, uh, how do you say amazed by this world that I had found by all these people and um, I was working with Jesse Aris back then who is a real life porn star and um, and he produced uh, his, his own music he was performing then at Mickey's and other places in a jockstrap and sneakers <laughs> the singing porn star and I think that's that's what sparked the idea to write a porn musical I was just going to ask you what sparked yeah. the idea even there though as I said I had no idea how to write music but, but the idea you know we're gay like we're, we're at some point like in, our, in my fantasy at least like I always break out into song <laughs> and I think it would it, it was a great idea to 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 put the porn industry the adult film world into a musical because people think it's only sex and no feelings and musical singing gives you a, a great way to experience and to express feelings and uh, I'm super lucky without words um, uh, with no words I can describe uh, the talent that my composer has has because uh, you heard uh, the music which uh, for the for the presentation that we did was on the piano um, it's now being orchestrated uh, we have a five-piece band and the music is just beautiful and Eric uh, wrote beautiful lyrics um, so yeah it's a real musical Wow and and uh, you you're getting ready to open yes where, where? May 25th um, world premiere next week May 25th which is really crazy to say that uh, at the Hudson Theater that's on uh, Santa Monica on Hollywood's little uh, theater, theater district Ro- theater yes, row, yeah, theater like row. Five theaters side by side <laughs> yes yeah. um, and we have previews on the 23rd and the 24th previews um, are usually like it's it's like a test audience um, on May 25th you see the complete finished show because during previews um, the director still gives notes after the performances that means the first preview is next Thursday so the Friday show might look a little different because you might cut some scenes or we might we might uh, well not add a song I don't, I don't think we have the time for that mm. but um, May 25th world premiere that's when the show is locked in and that's the way that it's going to look like for the next six weeks because we're running until June 30th oh that's amazing mm. what's the cast like you got a hot hand, okay. You got a handful of actors. Yeah, we got ten. We got ten actors at seven principals and three ensemble members, um, and we have one woman in there because uh, I think I just told you the story that one character is based on Mr. Pam. She's a real life porn director, but also a social media celebrity. Um, why it's Mr. Pam in the show? Her name is Mr. Sue. Why that is, you will hear in the show. Yeah. Well, actually, you didn't tell the audience, so you just told me during the break. It was Chuck Holmes right, was but, the founder. But of, you have to go to see the show. Oh, yeah. oh, That's what I'm saying. I, I almost it. Is, it. I almost yeah, told it's explained oh, in it's explained in the I show. I almost did a reveal. I'm very, I'm very <laughs> sorry. I won't, I won't do the reveal. Because when then. we did the casting, it's like in the, uh, my, my casting director, Michael Donovan, who cast for the Hollywood Bowl, for the Pasadena Playhouse, for the Geffen, uh, in the casting notice, as he said, Mr. Sue, yes, it is a real woman. <laughs> because it is a little bit difficult to bring a real woman into a musical about, about gay porn, but you need a woman we all love our divas um, and uh, so I, I I found Mr. Pam I'd never shot with Mr. Pam but she's like such a such a celebrity within the within the gay porn world that I said you know I would like to create a character based based on you and she she helped me a little bit when I said you know this and this is happening um, how would you react to it uh, like this and this is happening in the show how you would would you react to it how would you say it um, so she helped me a little bit um, and 
Other characters and other uh, 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 scenes and things that are happening in the show, of course, are purely fictional. And every uh, every how do they always say every um, similarity is, is completely to be denied, completely coincidental, yes. completely coincidental. <laughs> I love it. Um, your actors are gay and straight. I assume some are straight and they're just playing yes, gay. Yes, uh, I think we're not really allowed to ask them. You technically are not. <laughs> you are not allowed to ask. Uh, yeah. But we have, uh, I mean, of course, of, at first there was like the hotness fa factor because they have to portray gay porn stars. Um, and then, of course, the talent is super important as, uh, as well. And we found an amazing, amazing cast. And uh, my director, Michael Bello, who was just assistant director at uh, Donna's The Donna Summer Musical um, in La Jolla, and then on 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 Broadway, and uh, he said he pointed something out which I didn't actually know before or realize before. He said it's a it's a show um, that is not about being gay. Nobody has a coming out, and it's not about AIDS. It's 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 about love, and it's about um, human connections. Something that everybody can relate to, um, even if you don't work in the porn industry, and even if you're not even gay. I love that. We need to go take a quick commercial break. We're talking to Florian Klein, a.k.a. Hans Berlin, here in studio. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q. They're shooting Star by Earth, Wind, and Fire. You probably have never even heard that song, have you, Florian? I'm not that much younger than you are. <laughs> but as Earth, Wind, and Fire, a shining star, actually, but they talk about a shooting star, so we picked that song for you. So you were talking about... Um, this uh, play musical uh, somewhat musical I'm sorry uh, being somewhat connected to your life but you are living a real life and what about the dating world for Florian Klein I mean are people reluctant to date somebody in the porn industry is it not an issue does it come up it I think I in general I have an issue with dating I don't I don't know I'm I'm um, it's 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 hard because I wrote a love story set in the world of gay porn right um, but I also believe that for some people, like the big love does not happen. And uh, I had relationships before and my dating life sucked before porn and it, and it sucked during porn. Um, but I know friends of mine that the co-workers that date within the industry, date outside the industry. So I guess it's just me. Or as I said, it's just not happening for me. Yet. Yet, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I kind of given up on it. Like I'm, I'm married to my show now. Like that keeps me very, very oh, busy. You are asking the universe to sing you when you put something like <laughs> that so. out there. You're just asking the universe to throw a lightning bolt into your life. Somebody who's going to come along and rock your world. And well, I make you crazy. <laughs> I love that. But um, the whole dating thing, because of course, like that's I get that question all the time. How is dating in the porn world? But that's also part of uh, part of shooting star. And that and that's I think the 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 the. the, the the recipe for success for the show is that that you learn about the secrets uh, uh, of the porn world um, and we're focusing not on sex we're focusing on the performers on their live streams and hopes and above all else love um, my director and uh, Michael Bello and Jim Cooney my choreographer they actually came up with um, with uh, very interesting uh, let's say this way: we don't have any real sex or any fake sex, but we have some very hot choreographed scenes. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is some nudity, some tasteful nudity in it, because as I said, you just saw the reading where people, like staged reading, where people were standing behind the, the music stands. Now it's actually when I come to the rehearsals, it's people dancing, singing. Um, we have, I think, ninety costumes in it, even even though there is some nudity that takes place in the porn world, but people have to be dressed as well. Yeah. So it is. Uh, I realized I did not write a small show yeah that's awesome yeah I say like my tagline is we're, we're gonna be the biggest little show in LA because hmm. of course we can compare uh, or compete with the with the Pentaches or with the with the Geffen or with the Amund, Amundsen the falsettos at the Amundsen yeah. yes no yeah. I mean like we can't compete with them in, in, in size and budget but we're giving you a Broadway Broadway styled show in a, in a 99 seat theater because that's what the Hudson Theater on Santa Monica is uh, but we're giving you a really big little show in a little theater you're an hiv aids activist too u equals you just slap my face yeah <laughs> no no i'm just, I'm just bringing out a little bit more about florian klein yes. i mean we're talking about your show too but i want to talk about you you're an hiv and aids activist That's, yeah what did that come from 
Um, that came from, um, I think I have to say it's because of Michael Liberatore, who was my therapist here at the uh, at the Gay and Lesbian Center, um, and or now called LGBT Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago uh, because of cancer, and uh, and he helped me to be very open about my own HIV status. I contracted the virus in 2001. Uh, one of the reasons why I live my life the way that I'm living it is because I was never sick, but uh, an HIV positive uh, a res- uh, a test result it, it confronts you with your own mortality. And that's why I, why I said to myself, I want to live my positive life, really, really positive, follow my dreams. And if I have a crazy idea to write a musical and set in the world of gay porn, do it. If I want to go to Hollywood, uh, do it. So... I was still, I was very reluctant in t- talking about it, and uh, it was also, I mean, in 2001, nobody was dying of it any anymore, um, at least in our part of the world, if they had access to medication, but it was still one of the things you did not openly talk about it, and Michael helped me, Michael Liberatore helped me to talk open about it, um, and I realized, I actually, in 2014, after 13 years of being positive, I told my parents, because it took me so so long to be open to them, and then, and then they actually reacted really really well because I also told them in 2014 I had started porn in 2012 and in 2014 I also told them and I'm also a very successful adult film performer and they, they were okay with it I'm super blessed with my parents that they love me the way that I am always a very emotional part in my life when I have to talk about or when I talk about this um, but um, that weekend when I when I talked to my parents I also put it on Facebook um, on my private Facebook and I said um, you know I'm done hiding when people have cancer they talk about and they have a support system not that I want to compare it being HIV positive with cancer but it's one of the things you cannot openly talk about it and I put it up on Facebook and I got a lot of private messages from friends of mine that were also positive and 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 support from my from my Facebook friends Um, and many of them also my, my, my real friends but didn't know that I was that I was positive and one guy said just by speaking the truth you help other people and I think that sparked another idea that I wanted to that I wanted to use uh, the voice that Hans Berlin my porn persona is giving me and use it to talk about HIV and it took me until 2015 that um, at no 2017 um, I won a grabby which is a porn award handed out by grab magazine in Chicago and uh, I had just met Bruce Richman who started the U equals U campaign undetectable equals untransmittable you're gonna explain that what that what that means later Um you, you can explain it. <laughs> well, I just yeah. want to finish that story real oh, quick. Okay. So I had just met him, and I wanted to support the U equals U campaign. So in my acceptance speech, um, I, I I talked about it, and I said, um, for me as a as a positive performer, um, and and I talked about some issues that positive performers have in the in the gay porn world, and uh, I basically then came came out um, to to the gay porn industry. And what was surprising, I did not get any hate uh, emails or or Twitter uh, feeds or or anything like that. Um, they all said like it was a it was a great speech. It was great that we addressed it and we talked about prep and U uh, U equals U. Um, so it's it has definitely changed because U equals U, undetectable equals untransmittable. Someone like me who is on successful ther- therapy, who whose uh, viral load is, is so very little that you cannot detect the virus anymore. And where there's no virus, there's no transmission of right. the virus. Right. So U equals U, undetectable equals untransmittable, definitely helped someone like me who is positive and I said who's always had a problem talking about it because like you meet someone on grind I mean you meet someone in the real world or you meet someone on grinder on scruff and at some point it's 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 that okay when you when you talk to them about it and now I can I can openly say it's actually on on my grinder status and it is on my 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 scruff status so uh, we're also shooting stars also supporting uh, U equals U because that's a message that I, that I want to get out there so we have less than a minute left people want to check out shooting star tell us about your website uh, you can go to www.onstage411.com slash star um, or you can call uh, the number the Hudson number I always just put in like an, I go to Google and I just put in the Hudson shooting star um, Los Angeles and then you get you go to our ticket website and you can buy some tickets and if you're successful in LA where do you go next? Uh, New York uh, it's not it's a, as I said a gay well it's a love story set in the world of gay porn I don't want to call it a gay love story even though it's two men 
that fall in love. But I don't think Broadway is ready for that yet. So off-Broadway, it's the mid-sized theaters. Hedwig and the Angry Inch took 20 years to go to Broadway, but was very, very successful off-Broadway. So that's the next step. By the way, our tickets are super cheap compared to, to, to New York. Our cheapest tickets all the way in the back, $20. Middle rows, $30. And if you want to be live there where the action is happening, $40 for the first two rows. And that's nothing compared to all the big players oh, that's here. very, very, very true. We're talking to Florian Klein. Florian, thank you for coming on the show. You're going to bring your cast in a couple of weeks, right? Yes. You're going to have our, your cast here in studio. We'll yes. get to hear about your grand opening. So, yeah, uh, I'm super excited and super nervous. <laughs> you're going to be great. All right, gang, quick commercial break. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Hey, gang. Well, it's a wrap of another fantastic day here on Sidebar. What an incredible uh, group of guests. Uh, you know, Jeff Kors from the Palm Springs City Council talking about the early days in the fight for marriage equality and uh, his work on that. And then my heroine, Pearl Jamison Smith, uh, grandma, octogenarian, was there from the very beginning and uh, now serves on the board of the Orange County LGBT Center, but started so many Orange County organizations, and she is fearless and fierce, and I'm glad she's on our team. Uh, I love our straight allies who are on our team, who come to our defense and help us along this journey. And then, uh, finally, Florian Klein opening his new show uh, out of the uh, struggling actor into the porn industry, out of the porn industry. It sounds like he's got one foot left back in, but uh, now doing a musical production. What a, a varied group of guests. And I just got to give you a preview of who's coming on next week, because believe it or not, we actually set these shows up long in advance. But next week, I'm very excited. I'm going to have my old friend Cleve Jones from San Francisco on the show. Uh, Cleve, of course, being the assistant to Harvey Milk uh, at San Francisco City Hall and being there the day Harvey was shot went on to uh, create the name's AIDS quilt. And, uh, of course, he's been featured in film and television shows. Uh, and he's just an old pal of mine. I love Cleve. It'll be great to talk to Cleve. And we're also having Reverend Denise Barons on. Uh, she's from the Methodist Church, and she's going to talk about the current schism that's going on in the Methodist Church here in the United States, where we have the Methodist Church breaking in half over LGBT issues and what a painful thing that is. And then finally, uh, Vanessa Romaine, uh, who co-founded Long Beach Pride um, and co-founded CAPI, which is the national organization or international organization on pride events. Um, she is going to come on and we're bringing the current president of Christopher Street West here in Los Angeles, Madonna Cacciatore. It'll be an intergenerational moment, Vanessa being uh, uh, one of the original founders of all the Pride Festival is African-American lesbian, along with Madonna Cacciatore, who's been around for a long time, too, but currently running the current largest Pride Festival in the country. And so it'll be great to have the two of them on as guests. So we look forward to having all three of those women and Cleve Jones on uh, next week here on the sidebar and look forward to the conversation. In the meantime, let's all just pray that uh, Donald Trump doesn't accidentally blow up the world and uh, that our you know, national legislators start to deal with climate change so it doesn't melt down at the same time. It seems sometimes there's so much chaos going on in the world that I find respite here on the, the channel uh, Q and the sidebar to kind of get away from all the unfortunate reality that's occurring. But one thing I've learned as an LGBT activist is there's always hope and there's always change and there's always something for us all to be a part of. So... Whether you're listening today in Topeka or the Panhandle of Florida or wherever you're listening to us, either on an FM radio station or HD2 or on radio.com, thank you for joining us here on The Sidebar with John Duran. And I hope you'll join us next Friday as we talk to another group of guests who are movers and shakers and creating this wonderful LGBT community here in our country. Until then, have a great weekend, and we'll see you all next week here on Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q.